Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. So this is The Gathering Room. I'm Martha Beck, and today's topic is the safe side of fear. I heard this phrase a couple of days ago. I was doing an interview with Michael Sandler, who does the Inspire Nation podcast. He's he's a fascinating guy, so sweet, so fun. He's been an Olympic athlete. He's been an Ironman in in triathlons. He publishes books on things like barefoot running, but he's also super spiritual. So we had a really fun talk and we we were actually discussing the issue of denial and integrity because it's all about my book that's on integrity. And here's the thing, you guys. One thing integrity will bring into your life you're not going to like this, is fear. Because as you become more and more true to yourself, there will come a point where you notice that you've been betraying yourself. And the only reason you're betraying yourself is that the people around you want you to act differently from the way you want to act from inside. So typically, we go along with the crowd and we betray ourselves. And at that point, we're split in two. So our real desires and our culture desires are in not in harmony and we don't pay attention to our nature. So this is the whole pursuit of integrity means that you're going to face the most terrifying things that humans can deal with. And the reason I say that is that do you know what the number one phobia is for for human beings? Number one fear. Three guesses. Not death. Death is not up there. Well, it's up there, but it's not at the top. At the top is public speaking. Why? Because you're standing up in front of other people and you're being evaluated, judged potentially. And that is actually more threatening to a human even than death. So being an integrity, living in integrity and risking social pushback is a frightening experience. It really is. And so we're talking about this. And Michael said when he was training for the Olympics, he learned to to stay on the safe side of fear. And I was like, whoa, wait, let me hear that again. He said, yeah, there's a place, there's a razor's edge between fear of something that will really destroy you and fear that you feel even though you're safe. Like if you're If you're climbing a ledge, uh, a rock, and you don't know how to climb very well, and you don't have any restraints, you're going to be afraid, and it's a fear of something that can genuinely kill you. If you're well-trained, and you have all the right equipment, and you're being very careful, you're much safer, but you're still going to be afraid. If you weren't, you wouldn't be sharp. You wouldn't be on edge. So the place where we all hit our growth edges, physically, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, is always on the safe side of fear. And if we don't go toward fear, what happens is that our fears encroach on us more and more and more. So I was thinking about the the hope of awakening that I think some of you share with me. I don't know if it'll be this life, some other life, if there are other lives. Maybe I want to come back as a giant sloth. I don't know. But I am fascinated by spiritual development. And I realized that in order to keep moving toward awakening, we we really, really need to do things that frighten us. Not just when they arrive, but actually go looking a little bit. Um, when I've read accounts of people who've had awakening experiences in any time in history, they talk about these bands of fear 
that you get to, where your your spirit grows too big for your personality, essentially. It's interesting. The first time I differentiated personality and spirit, Oprah was talking about it. She's like, I'm not a very nice, my personality is not who I am. My soul is who I am. And my personality has to work with my soul and my soul with my personality. I thought, oh, that's really interesting. So to go up to the raw edge of fear, spiritually, means to get to a place where our egos disintegrate. And the ego is largely made of those social cues that I was talking about a minute ago, where, or in my favorite phrase, your fantasies about other people's fantasies about you. So we all wonder what other people are thinking about us. We know they don't know us really, you know, as well as we know ourselves. So they're definitely projecting something. So we're projecting the anticipation that other people will be projecting negative things toward us. And that fantasy about other people's fantasies of us is usually what keeps us bound in a very small circle of behavior. So what I wanted to try today is to deliberately go to the safe side of fear right here in the gathering room. And the way I've done it in my book, The Way of Integrity, um, is to identify an issue. So play along with me here. This is the exercise. Think of an issue in your life that makes you feel disturbed. And I don't mean panicky. Like if you have experienced severe trauma or, um, you know, there's a, there's a place in your life where things are really, really critically wrong. Don't use it for this exercise. That this is a, consider this a trigger warning. I don't want to trigger people's massive trauma, but I do want you to get, because massive trauma is the dangerous side of fear. The safe side of fear is where it's not going to destroy you if you look at it, but you're uncomfortable with it. So maybe it's like, oh boy, I should, uh, I should probably get my blood sugar checked and see if I am developing diabetes. Or uh, I should probably go um, fess up to a loved one about something that they don't know about that's getting between us. Or uh, I really want to, you know, I want to try something. I want to get fit and get a personal trainer, but I'm scared to do that. I'm terrified to get personal trainers. But you can get them over Zoom. Zoom, even in COVID times. Whatever it is, it's something that makes you uncomfortable. Like, I know there's something wrong in my life. I know there's something that's not satisfying me. Maybe you don't love your job or your current relationship, but you're terrified of what it would mean to give that up. Maybe you're addicted to a substance and you're terrified of what it would mean to give that up. So what I want you to do right now is just identify the area an area that I call it the do not mention zone, where if the conversation turns that way, you will turn it the other way. Something that just makes you feel, oh no, I don't want to go there. So let's see, what shall I use for this? Okay, I have problems with my feet. Right now, I've had problems with my whole body my whole life, but right now it's my feet. And I think I've mentioned this and several people sent wonderful, helpful things about getting care for my feet. So, um, I have those, and if you want to share one, that's wonderful. I'm very grateful. But right now, I'm just going to deal with the fact that my feet aren't perfect right now and that I have the fear that this is progressive and that I will never be able to take the long walks through nature that were most of my, you know, that was the favorite part of my day for so much of my life. I haven't been able to do it for about a year. So maybe I'll never walk comfortably again. 
I don't like that thought. And because I don't like that thought, I'm going to put it squarely in the center of my attention right now. I'm going to put brackets around it. I'm not going to have to deal with it after the gathering room is over. In fact, I'm going to take a vacation from worrying. I'm going to deliberately decide not to worry about my feet for the rest of the day after the gathering room to the extent that I am able. You'd be amazed how much we can decide not to be afraid. So I'm going to sit with the fear right now. And in my book, I compare this to the gate of the inferno, of Dante's inferno. And it says above the entrance, there's this gate in a forest, just a door sitting there. And it says, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, which is really a bummer, right? So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get off that polarizing cycle of fear and hope. Oh, I hope it'll be okay, but I'm afraid it won't be okay, but I hope it will, but I'm afraid it won't. And that uncertainty, it's a very wobbly place. As the Tao Te Ching says, hope is as hollow as fear. Whether you go up the ladder or down it, your position is still shaky. So I'm going to get off the hope-fear ladder, and I'm just going to sit with, okay, it's a possibility. I may never have the ability to take long, happy, pain-free walks again. And that makes me not very cheerful. And it, it starts my pulse going up. I'm starting to have a slight fear reaction. So if you move towards something, a truth that you don't want to look at, a fear that's been haunting you and you've been pushing it away, I want you to bring it in. But then I want you to sit very calmly or lie down or stand, but I'd prefer you sit or, or lie down even. I, I sometimes think lying down is best for this particular exercise. So you're going to lie down and you're going to confess that you have a fear and your fear is valid. So that's not a very comfortable thing to feel. And notice the feeling of it in the body. I get kind of teary and my feet hurt more when I think about it. Um, I get a sick feeling in my stomach. Okay, that's so heart rate up, slight nausea, pain in my feet. My whole body's reacting to that. This is fear, but it's the safe side of fear because... I'm not in any danger right now. And wherever you are, you're either, <laughs> you're either sitting, standing, or lying horizontal. And odds are you're not in any danger right now either. So we're all safe right now, all of us. So the next step is like parking right there with your fear. Look around the room, or if you're outside, look around the outside. And just notice that nothing in your immediate environment is threatening you. I can see the walls, I can see trees through the window, I can see paintings. <clears throat> it's all quiet. It's all safe. So bring the fear back. Now you've got the safety. We're going to just anchor into the present. So the first thing I want you to do is we're going to we're going to soften the focus of your eyes, which is weirdly enough one of the quickest ways to send your brain into alpha waves and give you a feeling of calm, even if you're thinking about something scary. So the first thing I want you to do, I don't know if we've done this before. I think we have, but it's worth a try. Right there with your fear, on the safe side of fear, look around you and look for anything blue. And as you look around, just think blue, 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 blue. Your eyes will start to preferentially pick up blue things. Cool. That's a sharp focus. <clears throat> That's part of the fight or flight reaction. Sharp focus. Now look for anything red. Red, 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 
red, red, red. Now your eyes are picking up red things. And you notice they drop the blue things out of your attention. Now let's go for white. Why not be patriotic? Red, white, and blue. So white, white, anything around you, white, white, white. You can go for yellow if you want to. Yellow. Oh, I didn't even know there was yellow in this room until I looked up at the light fixture. Yellow, yellow, yellow. Okay, now choose your three favorite colors of those and look around the area where you're sitting or standing or lying down and say red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, or red, yellow, white, blue, white, yellow. But choose three colors. I'm going to choose red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, and look for all the colors at the same time. Red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue. Now what happens when you ask your brain to look at selectively at three different colors is that the brain can't do that while it's fixated in its fight or flight sort of response. It has to drop into alpha, a synchronous alpha wave in order to pick up that much detail and do it all at once. So you've gone from the left side of the brain, which chops things up, red, yellow, blue, white, and you've gone to the right side of your brain where everything gets amalgamated red, yellow, white, blue, everything one. It's so interesting. I'm sitting here right now. Whenever I do this exercise with other people, the feeling in my body is like very, very strong, energetic feeling. And even though I can't see you, even though you're spread out all over the world, I still feel it when you guys go into the synchronous alpha. It's incredible. So now feel the feeling of that soft focus I'm present in my environment, it's not hurting me, and I'm seeing three colors at the same time. And you breathe into that. If you want to make give the meditation even more punch, you can just add the word now, 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 now. All right, just check back in and see if you've, you still even have access to the fear that I asked you to bring up earlier. So I had my fear about my feet. I'm bringing that up. Now I'm adding even more to this moment. Red, yellow, blue, now, breathe. There are all kinds of things going on. You can't stay in your fight or flight reflex when all those things are coming into your senses. And so how's it affecting my body? I'm calmer. My heart rate's down. My feet don't hurt as much. Um, I, can, I can feel my back relaxing. My heart feels warmer. In other words, my whole body-mind system is coming into the present moment and noticing that everything's basically okay, which is almost always the case for us. And as I'm living with the fear, but in the present moment, I end up on the safe side of fear, where I'm just contemplating the fear without actually creating a, a trigger in my mind to cause ah, a really heightened energetic effect. Now, by going and doing this and bringing up the the issue that was bothering you, whatever it was. Oh, did I move that? Okay. Um, what you've done is you've not, instead of making your fear come closer to you, you, go, you bring your fear in closer initially, but by staying in its presence and then getting really actively engaged in non-threatening things, you're starting to blend the fear of that particular thing with presence 
with mindfulness and equanimity, which is what gets us through anything. So anytime you sit down to meditate or anything, you will be sitting pretty soon. The things that bother you will start to rise up. Try to stay in mindfulness and equanimity by using this, this um, three color focus thing and just really sit with something that frightens you while nothing happens. And over time, you, you de-escalate your sense of fear because it, it's very easy to gain a sense of fear and trauma if one bad thing happens, but it's harder, much harder to get back a, a sense of being safe and okay once you're in the presence of a fear. So you have to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. So this is very pragmatic and I hope it helps you here. I am looking at my fabulous list of questions. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. Oh, there you are. Okay, Laura says, how does one take more risks when in tune with one's wildness? If it means letting go of a close relation of close relationships that do not appreciate one's bold self, how does one find the tribe of wild, authentic souls? Laura, I'm so glad you're here because all around you, you see a tribe, well, on your screen, you see a tribe of wild, authentic souls. And that actually is the place, like you're afraid you're gonna lose your tribe. So part of you either suspects or knows for a fact that not everybody's gonna like it if you become your wild self. Bring that fear up, bring it in right now. Deep breath, look around the room, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, now, now, now. And then look at the screen. You've got, we've got about 261 people by my count on my, on my screen here. That is a pretty large group of tribes people. And every single one of them is trying to move forward into that place that is the safe side of fear. So you do the things that are true for you, even though it might get some kickback and it will start to happen. You'll start to be truer and truer to yourself and somebody's gonna kick back, I promise you. At that point, you have to sit down. Somebody's just yelled at you or whatever. You, got, you have to say, I'm safe, I'm present, I'm here. Red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue. I can tolerate people being upset with me. I know a shaman who calls it transformational tension. And to stay in that discomfort it really helps to be able to, able to soften your focus and come into the present moment. Then gradually, gradually, you lose the fear associated with getting social kickback and you end up drifting into contact with people who are more like you. So it's kind of a twofer. As you do this, you start to lose the people that you're afraid you're gonna lose. You probably will lose somebody if you are really true to yourself all the time. And you put yourself in the company of people like the folks in the gathering room who are also looking for their own wildness and will give you lots and lots of interesting relationships. Okay, um, Kirsten says, I struggle 
with, ooh, it went away. Kirsten says, I struggle with a light worry slash fear all the time. It seems that it just switches from one thing to the next. Like I'm fickle toward my fear. <laughs> afraid about COVID, afraid about elderly parents, fear for college kids. So I know it's not about the thing. It's almost like a habit. Do I just do this exercise every time? Will the fears come less? Yes, absolutely. And she also asked me if I'd look, looked up Louise Hayes affirmations for feet. You betcha. Okay, this is amazingly um, astute, Kirsten, because most of the worrying we do is habit. And the, the crazy thing about our culture is that we're sort of implicitly taught that if we worry about something, we can fix it. Like I'm getting really, my poor assistant has been sending me this, these reminders today, getting really worried about a call I have tomorrow. And it actually is making it, you know, she, she's really keyed in and helping remind me that's appropriate in a lot of situations, but then we carry it over into situations where it can't help. So just worrying about, for example, about COVID, if you've taken all the precautions you possibly can and you're double masking and doing the things, the worry actually is a habit of mind. And they say in, neurolo in neurological circles, what fires together, wires together. Every time you think, be afraid about COVID, you've got that synapse being wrapped in myelin. You guys have heard me say this a million times. And that brain synapse becomes more convincing. It, it's a thought you can think more quickly and it's more emotional. So the habits of thought we have build and build and build. One way you know that you're in a habit of thought is that it builds in the absence of any additional information or action. It just, you can just lie in bed and your fear goes up and up and up. Or you can be talking to someone and your anger can go up and up and up, even though nothing has actually happened. So yes, what you want to do is break that pattern, that habit of mind, and go into a habit of presence, open focus. Nothing's scary right here. I'm on the safe side of fear and I'm going to stay here until my pulse rate goes down. And this is going to get me gradually. It's, it's like training. It's like a sports training. That's what, why Michael Sandler was telling me about it. As you live in the safe side of fear, the fear goes down. So I love your question, Kirsten, and I hope everybody can learn from it. Okay. So Michaela says, so if I'm in denial about my fear, how do I address that? If you know there's fear and there's tons of denial, if there is denial, there will be fear. So denial is what we know, but we pretend to ourselves that we don't know it, even though we do know it. And often the only evidence of that is a streak of fear that runs through our days. And if we were to sit down in the quiet, we're afraid that that thing, whatever it is, the thing we're in denial about would rise up and we would have to deal with it. That's true. <laughs> So the way you do it is take little steps to stay on, like go toward the fear. The fear is like a footprint for denial. So you can go to it and say, I'm really scared and I think it's about my, you know, my uncle or something or about my bank account. And you're going to say, I'm just going to let myself get to the point where I'm thinking about my bank account. Oops, all these signals of fear are going off. Get calm, get present, do the open focus meditation, relax, let your body relax, and notice that you are not necessarily hypercharged about that fact. Then the next time you sit down, you can go one step further. I'm afraid that my bank account, I don't know, is being mismanaged by my partner or something. Whatever it is, you'll start to go step by step by step into the fear, 
but staying on the safe side of that fear. So there's this little razor's edge. Okay, so Kathy says, this synchronous alpha feels like humming through my body. Delicious. It is. Let's, I, I want to do it again because I love the way it feels. So everybody, take one deep breath, let it out, and then start looking at everything in your room that is red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue. Amazing. It happens. It works. Can you feel that? Oh, I just do that. It's like getting a massage from y'all. All right. Alicia says, how does one let go of fear when you don't have any control over a situation? This is the way. My primary fear that I finally located after years of searching was I don't have any control. And that's a true thing. I This particular little meat self has almost no control over anything. I, I was trying to think about a time when I could control things with my thoughts. And I realized that I, I can't even control my thoughts with my thoughts, <laughs> you know? Like, this is all just happening. I'm sort of hanging on for dear life. So you sit with that thought, I have no control. And you can think of it, it might be a little bit scary when you're thinking about your dog. It may be a little bit more scary when you're thinking about your kids, a little more, bit more scary when you're thinking about your own health. And you can just stay on the safe side of fear, but do the same thing. Go to the fear, and in the presence of the fear, drop in to a peaceful space. There's a, an old um, myth in Tibet, Tibetan Buddhism, about a great sage named Milarepa who achieved full enlightenment after going and living in a cave for several years. And his fears would come to him, as Buddhist fears do in these myths, dressed in the form of demons, and they would come in and attack him. And some of them he could fight, not many. Some he could teach, and he would teach them the way of peace and love, and they would go away. But one he just could not get away from. It was the biggest, gnarliest, nastiest monster of all. And he fought with it. He tried to reason with it. He taught it, taught it Buddhism. It didn't respond. It didn't respond. And then one day he said, I am so sick of this. I just want this to be over. So he went and he lay down in the mouth of the demon. He just climbed right up there and let himself be consumed. And of course, what happened was that the demon disappeared and he was enlightened. So that's the, like the fear of no control underlies almost all our fears and going and putting ourselves in its teeth, doing open focus, relaxing into mindfulness and equanimity can take you to a place where you're really not afraid of much of anything. Okay. Catherine says, let's say you have social anxiety. Would you start off by, uh, by doing this exercise and then when around people do it without them knowing? Yes, exactly. I do that. I sit and I think, okay, I have to go speak. Like if I go to a place to speak, I'll go and look at the auditorium. And sometimes they're small and intimate and I'm happier. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, there've been times when I gave speeches where you couldn't see the back of the auditorium from the stage. Like it was a lot of people. And that's pretty terrifying. So what I do is I take back the image of that stage and all those people in all those seats and I practice getting calm in the presence of those fears. I did the same thing when I first started going on television. I was so frightened. I would shake like a leaf. It was not a good look. So I would just sit at home and pretend there was a television camera and I would go into soft focus and I would breathe and become mindful. And the more you can rehearse the, the situation where you are afraid, the more you can just 
ride the safe side of fear and it gets safer and safer and safer until you're right in, you know, your most terrifying situation and you're still on the safe side. And often when I'm in that situation, I have to take a deep breath, get present, open the focus of my eyes, drop in, and then I feel the energy of the people that I'm with. And it's always love, you know, like the, the core energy of any large group of human beings, I will say to the day I die, is love. And so once I can get there, that is the ultimate safe side of fear. Yeah. Annie says, how do you know if you're being led by a trauma versus a desire? Um, also trust self around a situation like you want it to happen, but it's hard to trust that the desire is from a deep loving place or from something else. The way you know something is you're being driven by uh, trauma is that it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and you get more and more obsessed with the thing you're afraid of, but you don't go near it. When you're coming out of trauma or you're working with a desire to grow, you walk to the safe side of fear. You don't walk to the dangerous side of fear, but even when you've got a trauma, I'd really like you to approach that from a long distance and sit with the fear of the fear of the fear of the fear and get calm and then take a one step forward and get calm and then sit with your therapist and take a step and get calm. And this just repeats and repeats. You go to the safe side of fear, you open, you relax, you notice, you get calm, the fear grows smaller and the safety grows bigger until you come to your very core fears and you go, and because you've practiced this and you've learned to trust the process, you can climb into the mouth of the biggest monster and let yourself go and find out that the only thing that disappears is the monster. Poof. So thank you for hanging with me for this rather odd exercise. It's not something that most people do and you were very lovely to stick with me. And I can't wait to see you again next week on The Gathering Room. So have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week. Love you all. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.